everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Well, as uh, has already been announced, we're taking a break from our series called Tested, which is about the life of David. And we're going to just use this morning to stop and pause and reflect on what God has been doing in the life of our church community and how it is that he's moving us forward. Uh, just come off the back of an elders retreat a couple of weeks ago. So the things that we were discussing and praying uh, at that, about at that meeting were, are going to be evident today. So I'm trusting that we can really open our hearts and our minds to what it is that we feel the Spirit is saying to us. Well, the first thing that I want to talk about this morning is that uh, there's an eye in the sky above us right now, and you're thinking, yes, I know that's the Lord. No, it's actually a drone. There's somebody who's out there taking some photos of the church right now, so if you do go uh, after the service and you find that there's somebody buzzing around your head, um, it's meant to be there, okay? It's, it's not... Uh, not evil, uh, okay, unless it lands on your head, that might be evil, but we'll pray for you, we're kind like that. Uh, so, so i just let you know. The second thing I want to talk about is the future is on the 2nd of October, we've got a Sunday we're calling Heaven Can Wait. Uh, the reason why it's called Heaven Can Wait is because Pastor Jim Hearn is going to be talking to us. Now, Pastor Jim was supposed to have passed away six months ago, and so he's saying, well, if this is dying, I can live with it. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's quite a remarkable story without me preempting what Jim's going to tell you about. Jim's 81 years old now, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given seven months to live about 15 months ago. So we actually did have him up here preaching and say, thanks Jim, see you in heaven. Well, we're going to see him again before that. So uh, he's preaching out of our David series on the 2nd of October. So it's exciting, isn't it? It's great news. Great news. <clears throat> yeah. Jim was here in the first service, so that made it really special. Um, he was told by the doctor that he needed to put on weight so he can eat anything he likes. So he's been eating chocolate fish with his porridge in the morning. So <laughs> maybe that's the cure, eh? Yeah, God's blessing him. Look, what I'm going to do this morning is uh, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey through the life of our church, uh, an inside look so that you can understand what it is that you experience and why it is that you experience what you experience in the way that you do. So all of these questions, the who, what, when, where, and why, are going to be raised up. So I'm talking about what we're currently doing, but I'm also going to talk about some of the future, and what it is that we believe God is saying to us. This is, a, um, this is an opportunity for us to pause, to be grateful and thankful, if you like, for what God has done and is doing. And so to start off, I'm going to start on something rather unusual. I'm going to talk a little bit about the dynamics of our administration in the life of the church. And you'll go, wow, yeah. I couldn't wait. I got out of bed for that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, let me tell you, this is how it goes. You've seen this graph before. This describes to us the various areas in the life of our church where we commit our resources. It's just an easy way for us to break the church down into ways that are department-oriented, people-oriented, leadership-focused. But as the church over the years has grown, there's an increasing depth of complexity. Uh, should be an of in there, but I, I ran out of money. Um, should be depth of complexity. And so, or depth and complexity. That's simply because as a church organization, like any organization, becomes larger, there needs to be things in place, in process, so that people have good communication, people are heard, listened to, and in that process, the Lord gets to speak to us and through us into different areas. A lot of the things that have happened over the last few years have really served to strengthen us. And one of the big things that we've done in as many of the ministries as possible is to put a lead team. So traditionally, you've had a pastor, 
who's operated in the area, but we've realized that this complexity requires different sets of skills. And so what we've done is we've built a lead team. So somebody who's, say for example, uh, children's ministry, we've got a lead team for the children's ministry, the intermediate age ministry, we've got a lead team there. These are adults who have different skills to the pastors, often administrative or management skills and like that, uh, that often run a little bit light in the area of pastoral ministry. And so this is how uh, a decision is made when we're talking about a particular ministry. You'll have leaders within the congregation, leaders in the ministry, people who are volunteering their time. They will bring, bring ideas to the lead team and they discuss it with the pastors of that ministry. And then it comes through the executive team. The executive team, uh, Michaela, Ross, sorry, Michaela, Caleb, myself, and was Ross Horton. We'll be replacing Ross in due time as the Lord shows us who. Uh, and then it goes from the exec team to the management team who look at the numbers and the like, the elders team to see that it's signing off on our, our, our sense of culture and direction that God is giving us. And ultimately it comes back to the congregation and business meetings and the like. But this, as you can see, is a very complex process. It happens relationally, it happens quite naturally, but it has taken time to put in place because people are learning what it means to be church in a larger organisation in the context of our 21st century church. So we have a ground-up approach. We're really keen to hear what God is saying in and through everybody in the life of the church. And if you get involved with a different ministry, what you have to say is valuable to us. And so this is the way in which it seeps and ekes its way through into the fabric of our church. Now, we have a larger church team, a team of people who are paid or not paid, either way, leadership within the church, people who are taking a significant level of responsibility. And it's up to the executive team to manage the different people in the life of our church who have leadership responsibility. Any organization of management will do that. If you don't have leadership over different areas, what you have is just silos, departments doing their own thing who barely communicate with one another. So what we do is we have an executive that meets with all the staff and takes them through this process. And the process looks like this. Firstly, we're going to talk to somebody about their tasks and their skills. So what does it take, skill-wise or task-wise, to run a children's ministry? Well, there are lots and lots of different components to make a successful children's ministry run. And many of you here will know exactly what we're talking about because you've been involved over the years in different parts of the life of the church. Running parallel with that is the character and spirituality of the leader. This is a vital part to a Christian organization because above all other organizations on earth, this whole issue of character and spirituality, the ongoing growth of your spiritual life as a, as a leader in the church, uh, how it is that God is shaping you, changing you, challenging you, all of these things are absolutely vital to you as you grow in ministry life. Let me give you an example. Uh, there could be a scenario where somebody's not in a position where they can um, delegate very well. And we say, why is it that you don't delegate very well? Well, it might be that uh, they feel that they're the only one who can do the job well, that they'll cause them to hold on to it. Or they might be nervous about building teams, they'll hold on to the work. Or they have this idea that because they're the paid person, they've got to do everything which is very commendable, but stupid, and, and there will be just a recipe for disaster, ultimately. And so we will sit there and talk and work through with people and say, 
What is it? These are spirituality issues, aren't they? And you'll come across them in the workplace as well. The people that you're working with will have similar challenges. But character and spirituality are really tough, really tough things to work with. And the other side of it is that there are literally tough times. Some of the challenges that we talk about with our youth group leaders, for example, are talking about really, really significant issues in the lives of young people these days. And so we will say, they will say to us, look, this is a new one for me. I haven't encountered this problem. Can we get some outside help with this? Or maybe you've got, some op- uh, got something to offer here. And we create opportunities for people to learn and grow as well as take care of the people uh, who, are, who are under pressure. Maybe somebody's struggling uh, with, uh, for example, in the youth group, um, being bullied. And somebody could come to youth group and say, look, you know, I'm just really feeling low, I'm depressed. And uh, it's such a different world to live in now. I used to have to get on the bus and go to school to get bullied, you know? And so now you can get bullied at home in the comfort of your own bedroom. Isn't that exciting? You know, with the real world we live in. But it's a real, real issue. There's been a lot of documentation about it in recent times, about kids being bullied. So these are some of the big issues that we're dealing with. And these things are perpetually the cycle of conversation that we have when we're talking about life in our church, how can we best care for the people whom God has entrusted us with to give spiritual leadership and emotional leadership and well-being to, okay? These are really important things, and these are the consistent conversations that we have as a church with those who are giving leadership in the life of our church. Is that, is that helpful? It is helpful, eh? Otherwise, you just think that, you know, Craig just sees something and everybody does it in a parallel universe far, far away. You know, it doesn't happen that way. Or you think, oh, finance, Craig just backs his car up, opens the boot and all goes in there. And if we need to pay the electricity bill, he hands somebody that enough money for that. And if somebody wants to buy some food for their kids, they get a bit of that and he takes the rest home. Well, I stopped doing that last year. Um, <laughs> now, let me, let me say something quite honest here. Um, the, the first time that I ever met with the treasurer in the life of our church 21 years ago, I said, I never, ever want to know who gives what. I never, ever want to sign a check, but I want to build a team of trust. Because I'm too human to put myself in a position where I know who gives what. See, each one of you give to God. You don't give to me. And you give through the church as an agent towards giving towards the Lord. I'm too human. What if the, the person who gives the most amount of money in the life of the church rings me up and says, my budgie died. And I'll go, oh, that Baptist budgie, I'll be around there to give it a good Baptist funeral. You know, I'd just be too human. I wouldn't know uh, if I could trust myself. Does that make sense? I'm asking you if it makes sense. I'm looking for a bit of feedback, obviously. Hoping, <laughs> hoping it sounds, sounds okay to you. Okay, so <clears throat> what we've got here is all of these things that go on in the life of our church in and under the radar in many respects. But what it does is it produces good soil. Good soil produces godly growth. And over the years, we've seen some pretty exciting things happen through the life of our church. Uh, 21 years ago, when I arrived in the life of this church, it was six years old and was still meeting in the community hall down in Bethlehem there. And uh, some of you here will remember those days. They were great times. We learned a lot about God, a lot about ourselves, how to be and do church. Um, Out of these times grew some really good things. One of the things that happened there was mainly music. It's been going for about 17 years now. 
and we're running two groups a week. It's just a fantastic way in which our church reaches out to young women and men who've got children of this preschool age and gives us an opportunity to build uh, community with them. And doing so, we build relationships and we offer packages of care, i.e. have a cup of tea. That's a package of care, isn't it? Quite literally giving of your time so that you can help somebody. The other things we've done over the years is uh, serious coffee. Serious Coffee is a great uh, ministry for women. It happens on a Wednesday. Uh, I went and spoke there a couple of years ago, and I stunned the room when I told them that I was the guy who started Serious Coffee. And for the first three years, I was the teacher at Serious Coffee. And all these women just looked at me and went, really? And then I assured them that after three years of ministering to women solely, I knew all that I wanted to know. And it was best for me to leave them to themselves so they could talk about things that they needed to talk about but could never talk about in front of me. So that was good. It was good. Godly soil produces good growth. And, um, and then we had children's ministries uh, on a Friday, playgroups, lots of ways in which we reach out. And these are some of the things that we developed. But what we're always looking for is that spark of initiation by the Holy Spirit, aren't we? What are you doing, God? And what are you saying that we can be involved in? Where are you functioning? Where are you in our community right now? Uh, about seven or eight weeks ago, Michaela was here after church one day, uh, just packing down, ready to close the doors, and a, a guy walked in, and he was in, a, in pretty bad shape. She spent quite a bit of time with him, ultimately uh, helped him out with the problem that he was facing, but then she prayed with him that he, might, he would receive Christ, and he did. He asked Christ into his life. He is from Wellington region. We said, where specifically are you? And he said, oh, I'm in sort of uh, a Porirua area. And, and we said, well, look, um, we know a guy down there who could pick up on you. And so she phoned this pastor whom we know, and now his whole church is going, his whole church, his whole family is going to church. That's a God-initiated opportunity. Uh, a few months ago, earlier in the year, there was a guy called, uh, there is a guy called Callum, and um, he was dropping his son off at ICONS, the ICONS program for boys. We run girls and boys programs here a few times during the week. And what he would do is he'd open the door, his son would get out, he would leave and drive away. It had nothing to do with the life of the church. He was working in Edgecombe, and he was just under a lot of pressure. And he thought, I've got to go home, I've got to go home, I've got to go home to Tauranga, I've got to go to the doctor, I've got to see somebody. And he just had this overwhelming picture in his mind of our church. And so without really knowing why, he drove to our church, just came in the foyer and said, I've got to talk to somebody. God, I think, has brought me here. And so ultimately, uh, Albie passed him on to Eric, and Eric led him to the Lord. And then three days later, he started to do the Alpha course, and now he's committed his life to Christ. And can you see what I'm saying? The spark of initiation that comes from God, not from us. But God is going to trust us because we have things there to work and serve the Lord with. So it's a partnership that we have with God. Mondays at BBC is a classic example of this. We do lots of different ministries. Uh, there we have discipleship classes, uh, Alpha Marriage. Peter and Renee Bars have done a fantastic job over the years running Alpha Marriage. Uh, Cap Money is a great program, and we're really excited about the change that we see in people's lives when they learn good stewardship under the Lordship of Christ and biblical principles of how you handle your money. Uh, but one of the big things that's always functioned in the life of our church has been Alpha, and it's been very successful. But what we're aiming to do is to take advantage in this coming year 
of a revamped Alpha program. They've, they've taken it into the 21st century. And I've been leading the staff through this at our staff meetings on, on a Tuesday morning, just showing one uh, chapter of the Alpha course every week. And it's been absolutely brilliant. I'm really asking us to move towards a season where we can have the best Alpha uh, ministry happening that we've ever had before. And that means uh, you need to be praying about how it is that you can engage with people, family, friends, colleagues, neighbours. Uh, and we're going to work really hard to give a fantastic experience to those who come to the Alpha course on a Monday nights. And I just really want to give a shout out to all of our folks who work hard in the kitchen ministry, put on, on those, those great meals. Uh, you do a fantastic job. And so there's a, there's a cheeky little cartoon in the kitchen. Some of you are probably going to go spy it out now. I noticed it just a little while ago. It's been there a while, but it uh, goes like this. It's got a, a picture of the pastor in the pulpit going, yeah, and this was so good. All those meals were so great. We're going to do this three times a week. And it's got a picture of the, um, the, the kitchen staff flaking out with the idea of it. So anyway, thanks very much for all that you do with those meals. They're fantastic. BBC uh, has always had great missionaries and tough people on tough assignments. We're ministering in places like Kolkata, Mashidabad, uh, Myanmar, Vanuatu, the Philippines. Ross and Sue went up to Germany, completely foreign to them in respect to the, the language and everything that they're doing up there. But we just really need to pray for these folks. It's a, it's a challenging world out there, and it's a very challenging world, of course, in New Zealand. But missionaries... Uh, set apart by God to do unique work for a unique, uh, unique purpose. And so we have the privilege of partnering with them. So don't, uh, don't be shy about praying for them and supporting them. The other thing about New Zealand is that the mission field over recent decades has come to our own front door. And we as a church need to embrace the increased levels of ethnic diversity that are pouring into our city. Largely, the immigration process uh, or should I say the flood of immigration, has swept past Tauranga and has gone to the more bigger cities in our nation, the Wellingtons, the Christchurches, the Aucklands. Uh, but we as a church, we want to open our doors and say, Haere mai, welcome. Come into this place and be who God has called you to be. This is your home. We say, welcome home. In fact, when we look at it, we say, welcome home to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Welcome home to Bethlehem in Tauranga Moana. Tauranga Moana means safe harbour. In the Bay of Plenty, in the land of New Zealand. That sounds like a great address, doesn't it? The house of bread in the safe harbour in the Bay of Plenty, in the land of New Zealand. I'd like to travel there. I'd like to live there. But it's up to us to embrace people. I just want to give a shout out to Dave and Helen Jackson. Uh, Dave and Helen were in the first service. Dave and Helen have been leading a Mandarin-speaking uh, home group. Well, they've been doing the Alpha course in Mandarin. Uh, Dave speaks Mandarin, having been raised in China. And uh, he's, himself, he tells of his, his own health struggles, but he's just seen God do fantastic things. He sent me a text two days ago to say this week, two folks in this Chinese home group became Christians. Isn't that fantastic? So the mission is here. The mission has come to our doorstep. And just the global village that we live in is such that we need to have our eyes open and our hearts open. And uh, if it makes it easier, your stomach's open to the great food that these folks bring from their parts of the world. Anything that we can do to build fellowship with folks and just allow them to be part of the house of bread 
in the safe harbour of Tauranga. Yeah? You like that? I like it. Let's do it. The other thing that we've got at our doorstep, which we've always valued, is the bicultural partnership we have with our neighbours. Ngāti Hangarau, Ngāti Kahu, different marais here, and we've worked over the years helping them establish their vision for a health centre. And many of you will remember that we put in years of, uh, sorry, months of work years ago to help put in a respite centre at the Hawara. Well, more recently, we've been working with the Farikura, the full immersion secondary school that was built just two years ago that's opposite the, um, opposite the primary school as you drive away down Bethlehem Road. That school didn't get off to a very good start as far as being welcomed into the house of bread, into the safe harbour. When they were applying for resource consent to have that school put there, some of the neighbours got really stroppy and said, oh, we don't want these kids around here. They're going to tag our buildings, steal our stuff from our houses, etc., etc., which is just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And uh, Adam, Ker Adam Kirby, um, sorry, Brian Kirby, one of our pastors who works with intermediate-age kids, he spends quite a bit of time in the schools here. And he's been building a great relationship with the Whārikura. The first thing that he got told by the leadership there is how they feel unwelcome in this community. And they recited the resource consent process and how people didn't want them to be there. And I just deeply saddens me that that would be their experience. What Brian identified is that the kids who go to the school aren't just local kids here. They aren't Carmichael Road kids or Bethlehem kids or even Tapuna kids. A lot of them come from all parts of the Bay of Plenty. And so they arrive and are often being up early and the best thing that we can do is help them in the journey of giving them something to eat. So Brian set up a breakfast program down at the school. And again, shout out to all those who Brian shoulder tapped and said, come along and help us serve breakfast. The whole deal takes less than 45 minutes and they're doing it five days a week. And it's just a fantastic way of connecting with these kids and giving them the best start possible to their day to help them uh, in their education. So little things go a long way, but it requires time, requires energy more than it does resources. You know, cooking toast isn't difficult, is it? Okay, if you need a lesson, come to my place, I'll help you. If you already know how to do it, you're more than qualified, more than qualified to, to help out. So this, um, this community outreach that we have with the, uh, the whole order and the Farakura is something I really value. One of the things that's grown in and out of the life of our church through some folks here is, uh, is Good Neighbour, Campbell and Christine Hill, uh, Jason and Charlene Rowling, Todd and Karen Rowling. Uh, these folks are instrumental in this ministry that takes uh, food from a whole lot of different sources and distributes it to 35 different distributors within the Tauranga region. So what they're doing is they're becoming a, a provider to the providers, and they've just uh, rented out a huge factory that they can do all this in. They've got uh, a big firewood dump now where people go in there and make this firewood happen so they can give firewood away to those who can't afford heating for their homes. It's, preference that you've got a, it's preferable that you've got a fireplace before you light the fire in your house. Um, otherwise, you can get in trouble with the landlord. But uh, these guys are doing huge work with the community. And Campbell and, and Jason will tell you fantastic stories uh, about how it is that God is using them. Um, one of the things that's happened more recently has been our Night Before Christmas received the Trust Power Award this year for Arts and Culture, the best event in the city under the banner of Arts and Culture. Isn't that amazing? Okay, we had 8,000 folks down there last year, and uh, it was a brilliant night. It was a brilliant night. Now, I've got to say, the, uh, the Hamilton band, Late 80s Mercedes, really, really rocked the night, eh? And uh, they're back again this year, so it's fantastic. 
So we, we always always a work of faith for us. We're always looking for a little, that little bit, of, bit more sponsorship that we need. It's always a challenge. But uh, it was fantastic to get that award. And uh, they commented on how we've been doing this for 20 years and it's grown from just small beginnings, but now hundreds of volunteers helped make it happen. And they were celebrating that with us. So that's fantastic. Um, one of the other things that we do a couple of times a year is a woman's night called Time Out. This place is filled, filled twice a year. My understanding is it's a really good night. The women just have a blast. I've never been, but um, I hear it's a good time. Yeah. Have you been, Eric? Not yet. Not yet. I haven't been invited either. Yeah. Can't. Go figure, you know. Go figure. Yeah, the boys will stick to their meat barbecues. Yeah, is that good? We like that idea. Okay, um, another thing not associated with time out at all is prison ministries. Um, we as a church... It's funny how these things roll, how my mind goes from one to the other. I don't know quite how that worked out. But, um, prison ministries, our church started Prison Fellowship Bay of Plenty. And so they, uh, the guys, largely guys, some women, head off to Waikiria and uh, the other prisons down the other way, Rangapo. And uh, every week, nearly, we've got some folks from our church involved in the prison ministries, reaching out beyond ourselves. And of course, some perennial favourites being Cool Bananas in the schools, whom we sponsor as a church, and there are numbers of folks in the life of our church who have been involved with that over the years, and still are, and they're reaching four and a half to 5,000 kids a week with uh, the good news of the gospel. And Bible in schools, it just, it just been under pressure recently, but it continues to perform. So I'm really blessed by that, and I'm really grateful that we've got these folks happening in the life of our church, all these different things. Prayer ministry is something that I've really got excited about over the last few years. I've seen it grow. Uh, really excited about that as different people have stepped up and stepped in to really take on the, the heavy lifting of prayer ministry. Uh, Brian and Ruth Clark have been leading this ministry for a long time, and they handed over recently to Rick and Vanessa Henderson. And really grateful that this transition's happened because it's a natural thing to happen. It's a positive thing. And Rick and Vanessa have got some fresh ideas, and we just want to continue to be a people of prayer. You see, the challenge that we face, the challenge we face being middle-class Kiwis, middle-class Westerners, is that we can do things on our own very easily. We're very capable. We're bright, intelligent, high-functioning largely. Well, you are. I don't know about me. But the thing is that we can actually get things done in our own strength, and that's where the trouble starts. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do Nothing. And even if you do twice as much of nothing, you get nothing. So we're talking about eternal fruit, things that last for eternity's sake. And so we need to be in a place where prayer is important. You know, even hear the musos when they're practicing or praying before they come out, and there's a sense in which they're saying, Lord, I can play this guitar, but you need to play it through me. Yeah? That's giving it over to God, isn't it? Surrendering it. That's really, really important. Uh, the other thing that comes out of prayer and care is our church care. And um, over the last little while, we've been building not a pastoral care team, but a church care team. Team-based people caring. Okay, Where groups of people are going to increasingly be involved in the life of our church to give out and over to others in this area of care and meeting people where their greatest needs are. And it's really important because every one of us has something to give in this area. So 
don't be shy to be involved with this. Um, Encore is another part of the life of our church, which has grown quite rapidly over the last couple of years. A great leadership team there again, but if you're over 55, you qualify for Encore. Uh, that means I'm not quite there yet, but um, in reality, it's a seniors ministry for those who are probably more in the retired age group, and it's a great group. A lot of community folks are coming to it, and they, they share and care, and it's just a growing, dynamic part of our life of our church. Uh, in fact, a few of them got together last week, I think it was, and they decided that they were going to hear some hymns that they don't get sung, they don't get sung around here very often, and... Um, and Norma Grice was on the, on the keyboards, and she gave it a really good thumping. I had to send somebody up to check to see that the roofing iron was still on the, on the roof. Uh, they, they lifted the roof, man, with these hymns they were singing. And it was, it was great, just great to see, great to hear. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that's happened in just the last week is Eric Skilperort, who heads up our church care program, him and Karen have just bought a house just over the road over here. So I was chatting to Eric the other day, and I said, Eric, this is cool, man. You know, um, what we could do is put a notice on the door that say, if anybody wants anything at any time of the day, um, just go to Eric's place. Yeah? You know, if you want to have a meal or you want prayer. Yeah, what do you want, Eric? Well, oh, you're going to move to Mecca too with Elby. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the house is for sale Monday. Okay. Thanks. All right. And it's cheaper than what you paid for it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. That's good. You like that? That's good. Don't know about the neighborhood. Mecca too. It's a dodgy place. It's a dodgy place. Now we talk about immigrants, man. You need a special visa to go and live in Makatu. Yeah. Just like the visas that Aucklanders should have to come to the Bay of Plenty. Yeah. Hey? Hey? <laughs> Somebody applauded that one. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Hey, church care. One, another really significant part of our church life that you don't even realize is happening. Well, you do realize it's happening, but you probably don't think about it is our cafe. We've got a great cafe team. Irene Bevan heads up this team. You know, and that, they're out there now. They're doing their stretches right now. They're getting ready for the onslaught for the end of the service. Are right, you ready? <laughs> Coffee, please. Next one. Yeah. Uh, I would hate to run a cafe where all your customers arrive at once, but they do it so gracefully, don't they? And uh, it's really, really cool. I just got to give a shout out to them. Soul food um, is another part of our church, helping people who are struggling, just getting them over that lump where they might be struggling with some bills and we can say, hey, look, come and help yourself to some food here, and it might help you pay the electricity bill this week. Uh, Whole Water, for example, help, helps us help them. We've got a great, great partnership with them, and uh, it's very exciting to see how it is that what we bring in sacrificially helps people go through, who are going through difficult times. Our own children's programs um, are fantastic. We've got Ruth Routon, who's relatively new to this children's ministry, the preschool ministry, uh, Pat Thompson leading teams there, uh, Brian Kirby and uh, Jordan uh, are helping out with the intermediate age programs, and all of these again, as I said, have got lead teams working with them. The high school ministry on a Wednesday night have up to 50 volunteers down here helping with the different small groups for the different ages as, they, as they, uh, the, the youth group breaks up into discipleship groups uh, on the evening. 
And so we've just got fantastic people working in really strategic places. And some of the stuff is really challenging. It's really hard in this whole area of organization. It's really difficult, some of the things that young families are facing. But we continue to do what we can, and then we pull in the experts where we're getting a little bit of, out of our depth. Okay, it's really important for us to understand that, that this isn't about um, us thinking we can do everything, but it's us getting the right people in the right place so that we can do what God's called us to. Our Sunday evening service, Sunday evening church has been going really well. It's developing a culture and a, and a uh, tikanga all of its own. It's got the ability to play music even louder than what you might experience on a Sunday morning, and uh, that, that's quite exciting, actually. Um, we found opportunity for new preachers to, to preach, uh, different subject matter, great sense of community going on, and uh, really involving more of our young adults, which is exciting again. So that is always complemented, of course, by our music ministry. And it's just exciting to see so much music in the life of our church at all ages, in the, in the kids' church, in the intermediate age, in the Wednesday night youth program, and then like today we've got this blended group of our youth group band plus a few adults thrown in there, as well as uh, numbers of different teams that happen on any given Sunday uh, just to encourage us in worship and to bless us. And these guys are here at 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday. You know, in a couple of weeks' time, daylight saving starts, so it's really a 5.30 start. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Hey? Remember that one, don't you? Because I stand here and I watch these people walk in once a year, and they all walk in, they poke their nose in the door. I see them at the back, like, how come everybody's here and we're... And they don't realise that daylight saving has started, you see, so... That's all right. They just slope into the cafe now and pretend that they're just real spiritual. Okay, music ministries. One of the things that I'm excited about to this coming year, 2017, and this is already underway, is uh, this whole new development of land and buildings down Papamaa East. It's getting closer and closer and closer to the Kaituna River now. Uh, but um, we were approached as a church to do some of the heavy lifting in respect to a church plant out at Papamaa East. Uh, the Bay of Plenty Baptist Regional Association covers the Bay of Plenty and, and uh, Gisborne Eastland down at Hawke's Bay. Uh, this is a group of folk who meet to help out the churches in this area. Well, they approached us and said, would you, Bethlehem Baptist, be able to inject some of your DNA into this church plant? The association has gone and purchased $2 million worth of land. And largely that has come out of donors' pockets who've really felt a passion for this church plant to be in that area. So it's a huge commitment. That's one hectare of land, now $2 million bucks. Um, so to that end, um, we've been out there, we've looked at the area. The area is called Golden Sands. That's the name of the, the uh, school that's to be. It's the name of the shopping mall that's yet to be. And so it fits naturally that this will be Golden Sands Baptist Church. Uh, get used to the name because I'm pretty sure we're going to be celebrating what God does there. Uh, to further the cause of this church plant, we employed Colin Grootsmarker. And he comes with his wife, because they usually go together, and their baby, Leo, um, who's not even a year yet. But Colin's straight out of Kerry Baptist College. Uh, I think he's 28. And uh, I'm really excited for Colin. I can just see a great future for him. And it really excites me that we can empower and encourage a, a godly young man like this with a real passion for church planting. And we can send him out of here. We can kick him out in a really nice way and say, Colin, 
take people with you from here. And if people have a real burning sense that God is calling them into this church plant, this pioneering program out of Papamoa East, then I encourage you to go. But we need to do that properly. So we'll be looking at how we do that in the new year. But uh, it, it excites me just to see young leadership being raised up around us. Isn't it exciting, you? exciting for you? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Colin was preaching here in the morning service. I was part of this, uh, just part of the congregation listening to his talk. In the second service, I, I stayed out in the cafe just meeting with some folk and chatting, and I had a really good time, actually. I've never done that in 20-something years. Uh, it's actually quite a nice place to be, uh, hanging out in our cafe there, just chatting with folks and praying with people. And I came back in about 10 minutes before the service ended. I poked my nose through the door. I sat down at the back. I could just feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is the way it's meant to be. Colin was giving a great message. And I looked at this, and one word came into my mind. Retirement. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true, actually. To be perfectly honest, um, blessed, blessed was the word. Isn't it just so cool just to see God using a younger generation of leaders coming through? And we've had some younger preachers over the last uh, few months, over the particular time Makata and I were away. And uh, I just delight in that. Because, you know, here are God-anointed, fresh, young leadership in the life of our church. And God is in control of his church and he's growing his church and we've got great people that we can invest in. Um, that picture looks a little bit spooky, really, doesn't it? Eh? So it looks like, like Colin's the Lord of Papamoa or something. Well, <clears throat> yeah. One of the things that we've been blessed with in the life of our church is spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership comes in lots of different forms. And the first group of people I want to give a shout-out to are those who lead our small groups, those who lead our life groups. In a true biblical sense of the word, you're functioning in an eldership capacity. See, James chapter 5 says, if anyone of you is sick, you should call upon the elders who will lay hands upon you and anoint you with oil. Well, our half a dozen elders who function in the term elder would uh, perish within a month if they were called out to every home that needed to have that happen. But for those who are functioning as a leader within our life group, uh, those who are part of our prayer ministry teams here on a Sunday, they're all operating in this way. And I I get excited about that. Plus, you add to that, you've got our eldership team, our management team, and we're continuing to grow and expand that team. We're pulling in some younger faces. doesn't mean they're less wise. They're just younger faces, young people who have a a real touch of God, giving them wisdom in their lives, and we're calling them into eldership. And so that's really exciting for us. And so we're continuing to grow in this area. One of the things that, has become more obvious to us over the last 12 months is that we need to work with a fresh approach to our building. Uh, The way that we have our building set up has been okay up until about 18 months ago, size-wise, but we have a need now for a cleaner office space in the administration area of the church. It's like a rabbit warren over there. In fact, rabbits would probably move out. it's, it's tough to work. We've got, literally got people in cupboards working, no natural light, no ventilation. Uh, and it's tough. And so we're going to look at how we can improve our administration area. We're also going to expand the cafe. And there's a couple of ways in which we'll do that. We'll take that wall that separates the cafe from the foyer into the main entrance or the other entrance out there. 
So that'll help. And we're also uh, exploring putting a, a solid covering over the area in the patio area that is covered presently by the, uh, the tent, for lack of a better word there, the canvas. The other thing that we're also looking at and uh, pretty excited about is taking the existing portico, you know, the area that you drive underneath, and filling that in and turning that into a prayer chapel. Okay, you can see how that would work, couldn't you? Fits quite naturally there. So we're trying to maximise the use of our spaces so that we don't encroach on our footprint. In other words, the building doesn't get any wider. But we can maximise what we've got here so that we can be more effective and more efficient without gobbling up our car parking land. So these things are all on the table. There are people, as I say, in teams working on this presently, drawing up plans, getting prices, uh, getting something tangible to put together to bring back to the church so that we can actually explore this together and see how this would, this would work. Uh, God's been very good to us over the years with respect to our buildings and the financial provision. So once again, God will call upon us to, to dig deep, but it's going to be something that I'm sure we're, we're equal to. And as I draw this to an end... I just want to say a big thanks to everybody who put Sundays together, from making the cups of tea to um, being a target in the car park. Some of you treat our car parking attendants like targets. Um, you know, uh, the, the First Impressions team, our team that welcomes people and helps people get settled, we're really grateful to you all. A lot of you are here early in the morning, setting up, uh, running children's programs, uh, everything that goes on, music, of course, administration, the guys who do the sound, thanks, Cam, the guys who do the lighting and the camera work and uh, all the graphics and all those different things, that's all a huge part of what it means to be serving in the life of our church. When I first arrived in the life of this church 21 years ago and we met in the hall, I'd explain to people what I did uh, and they said, oh, so you're, you're pastoring that church that meets in the hall? I said, yeah. And they said, oh, yeah, we drive past there and we see lots of cars outside. I'm like, oh, okay. And then a month later, I'm having the same sort of conversation with somebody else, and they go, oh, you're the church that has all those cars parked outside the Bethlehem Hall? Yeah, yeah, that's us. And this became a repeated cycle, and I thought, we are the church with the cars. Whoa, that's exciting. So <clears throat> I approached Ivan, who owned the forecourt of the... Um, the garage next to the church, built next to the hall as we use as a church. And I said, Ivan, is it okay if we run a free car wash uh, on a Sunday morning on your forecourt? He goes, yeah, yeah, knock yourself out, you know. So we did. So we set up these signs and said, free car wash, just drive your car in. And we had teams of people rostered to wash the cars on a Sunday. And uh, some of the community thought this was a bit crazy, you know, what's this free stuff all about? They couldn't help themselves but throw five bucks out the window as they drove off because they thought nothing's for free, you know, these guys must be doing it for a reason. And uh, anyway, this went on for a few years before we moved into our new building. But what happened in that time was that the conversation shifted. I would talk to people and they'd, they'd say, what do you do for a living? I'd say, I'm a minister of a church, meets in Bethlehem. Oh, you're the church that washes cars on a Sunday. So, yeah, that's us. And I was like, this is better. We're improving. We've got a better reputation now than just the church with a lot of cars. Okay, but don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because now when I talk to people in our community at whatever level, uh, be it the mayor or be it folks who are school teaching 
or involved in the uh, businesses around this district, they know they have a church in their community. And they are grateful and they are pleased that we are who we are. We get a high level of commendation from those who know that we reach out to help those who are struggling. They know that they are safe to give uh, their children to us to look after with holiday programs and Sunday schools. They know that when there is a need, they can call upon us. You know, just uh, six weeks ago, one of the the school teachers at the primary school here had had a stroke. And so first thing we did, say, we're praying for you, and we went down and we gave them a a big cake for morning tea and just say, hey, we're here to care and, you know, we're part of this community and when you grieve, we grieve. Friends, it's it's good to be where God has placed us. And I'm really excited about the next part of the story, the next part of this adventure that God has called us to. And to that end, um, when you leave today, uh, we're going to hand you out a, a pamphlet that just captures... A lot of what I was said today um, got six points here. Uh, firstly, we're going to talk about more often our cultural diversity and how it is that we can say hi to my welcome, welcome home, welcome to this place of bread, welcome to a safe harbour, because we want to be a church that embraces the ethnic diversity that God has brought into shape the new New Zealand. We're not sure what to do with Aucklanders, but we're certainly helping the other immigrants. We really want to make Alpha hum. We really do. I love Aucklanders, by the way. Economic engine of the country. Alpha course. We really want to make Alpha course happening next year. So just be praying about whom can I bring. And we want to operate in a way that you can trust us. Trust us with your friends and family. We want to give them a good experience. Church plant, Golden Sands. You'll hear more about that in the future as we lead uh, buildings, we're going to get some mock-up plans together so that we can get a feel together of what it is that we feel is the right thing to do in this whole area of building. And finally, prayer. We need to be God-dependent, not self-dependent. God-dependent, not independent. So as a church, we really want to focus on seeing thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my greatest wish. Shall we do it? we do it. Let's stand for prayer. Father, as we look at where you've brought us from and where we are now, then we can have confidence that you're going to guide us once again into the future. These things we've spoken of today, some of them have been with us a long time. And they've been fruitful. Some of the things that we've talked about today are yet to be. And yet, we will stand here in just a few short years and we will celebrate what it is that you've done in our midst. And it will include the things that have been spoken of today. So God, I pray that you would anoint us for works of service that you've prepared for way in advance for us to do. And that you who have begun a good work in and through us as a church will be faithful to complete it until your return. God, we're mindful that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we call upon you, God. Shape us, build us, strengthen us that we might be the people of God and that this community will know that with the other churches in the city, 
that there is a church that is in the city and it is a church that knows who God is and it will serve its fellow man. So Father, we bless you, we thank you for the privilege of belonging. We thank you that church is your idea. Thank you that it is the bride of Christ and that we have the privilege of being part of that. And we all agree together and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, we're going to finish here. Why don't you just turn to the person next year and say, it's good to be in God's house. It's good to be God's children. Okay? God bless you. Enjoy your coffee.